You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. Recording Tuesday morning two days after the Kansas City Chiefs defeat the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl. Um, 38-35 final score. Harrison Butker nails a 27-yard field goal. Yes, sometimes kickers make 27-yard field goals. Yeah. Um, The punchline wrote itself. But makes a 27-yard field goal with eight seconds left. Jalen Hurts, Hail Mary, steps on Jason Kelsey's foot and it doesn't even get to the 10-yard line. So, Kind of an anticlimactic ending to what, yeah. Up until the end of, I mean, until you know the defensive holding call, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. One of the best Super Bowls I've ever seen. Uh, just kind yeah. of didn't have that that ending that you know that we think of when we think of you know the Malcolm Butler interception at the one yard line or Tom Brady coming back from twenty three. You know, like it didn't have that storybook ending. But the game as a whole was really freaking good. Yeah, I was watching it up at my friend's place, and it was all Vikings fans cheering against Philadelphia, supposedly for Kansas City. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, we, my friend lives in Forest Lake, for people who are not from Minnesota, that is very far away from the Twin Cities. And uh, a couple of us were like, you know, at halftime, we're like, if Philly scores again and looks in control of the game, we might go home so that we're not home at like midnight on, on what is a, a weekday or whatever, you know, leading yeah. into the week at least. And, you know, I think if you look at the momentum shifts and, you know, in the back of my mind, I was kind of like, man, if Philly wins this, maybe this is like sort of a good sign for the Vikings. Just like the quarterback doesn't exclusively, you know, drive winning for that team. That's just an incredible roster, right? Mm-hmm. Created by the guy who chose Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. Um, but, you know, Roseman's done a really good job with that roster where if it's Kansas City, you go, dude, they're never going to get Mahomes. Like, I mean, I, I guess there's a chance Mahomes was taken 10th or something like that. But, you know, he's a once in a generation player who, who again, like you can dedicate all that cap space to because he's put himself in the position to be kind of launch himself in the goat conversation. Right. With this win. So I, I had a I love Mahomes and I I just. The Kansas City fan base is fun. In 19, I was at the game just as a fan sitting like in the third deck. Had a good view of Kirk Cousins not throwing to Stefan Diggs. And Stefan Diggs mean like, get me out of here. But uh, <laughs> but their fans are are really fun. And, um, uh, you know, you compare that to – I do have some friends who are Eagles fans. We compare that to the, the Eagle fan rep. And I, I had a clear opinion on this one. But, yeah, it was just – it was incredible. And it's a bummer. It kind of ended the way it did. Another big bummer. That missed kick in the first quarter cost me 30 bucks. I should not care about 30 bucks. By the end, everyone there was about to beat me up because I just continued to complain <laughs> about <laughs> the 42-yard field goal that hit the upright uh, that cost me some money. But 
I mean, ultimately a fun one to watch. And if you think about it, I think the last time there was scoring like that in the Super Bowl, and I'd have to look up the exact score, but it was like the Niners blowing out the Chargers or something like that. You know, it was something like 49, 26 or something like that. So Super Bowls just in general have gotten better in this game. I mean, like isolate it and just how was it as a football game, let alone on the biggest stage? I mean, it was one of the best ones I've seen in a while. Yeah. Going back to kind of halftime and maybe we'll get into a little bit of Rihanna talk too, but yeah, your, your friend lives in Forest Lake, which like you said, for people who are listening outside of Twin Cities, like 45 minutes away from, from yes. civilization. So <laughs> it, I understand what you're, you're, what you're thinking when, when, cause at the point of halftime, Chiefs are down 10. The Eagles are dominating the game at that point. The only reason the Chiefs are even remotely in the game is because Jalen Hurts tried to switch hands on a, on a, on a carry, drop yeah. the ball, and Nick Bolton returned to 36 yards for a touchdown. That tied a game, which at 14-14, and then the Eagles <clears throat> scored on the next possession, you know, marched right down the field, and then kicked a field goal at, you know, as time expired in the first half. They're up 24-14 at the break. So I hear you, Tom, when you say like there this game was teetering on the edge of you know getting away from the Chiefs. But for them to get the ball back, march right down the field kind of methodically, you know, and, and cut the deficit to 24-21, you know, with nine minutes left in the third quarter, then it was like game on. So it, from from there on out, it, you know, it, it turned into just kind of a, a slugfest and as as poorest as the Kansas city defense was in, in, in the first half, they really stepped up in, in the second half. And besides the, the late touchdown run to Jalen, Jalen hurts in a, in a blown coverage to Devonta Smith over the top, um, almost pitched a shutout, you know, like, and that was, that's an impressive thing that I think might get overlooked. Um, Patrick Mahomes deserves his flowers. He was, he was great again on one leg. Um, I think, I think I saw 14 of 15 in, in the second half, or maybe it was 13 of 14 in the second half, one incompletion, um, scored every time he touched the ball. But the, the defense stepped up when it had to, and, and it couldn't stop Jalen Hurts for the life of them in the first half, you know, aside from Jalen Hurts giving Nick Bolton the football in space. But it really stepped up in the second half, and and, and there's a large reason that, that Kansas City was able to mount the comeback. Yeah, no, I, I – here's the thing. Like there's always something unexpected in a football game, Jalen hurts switching hands. And it looked like he almost like threw the ball out. Right. was like, was the most absurd thing ever. The other thing is like when I was kind of storyboarding this, I can't think of a better word, like for the second half, I was like, well, how, if you have the lead, are you going to come back as Kansas city? You're, you're counting on a Mahomes miracle, but you think they have enough of a um, Philadelphia has enough of a lead and that there's just no, like, there's no way Kansas city's defense can stop them. This is kind of, I think what Hertz has done is impressive. I remember in Philadelphia taking an Uber down from kind of the core of the city into where the football stadium is and asking the driver who's like a diehard Eagles fan. He's like, what are you concerned most about the Eagles? And he goes, it's Hertz. And it's not under normal circumstances. You'd be pretty pumped about the progression of a second round quarterback who people weren't thrilled. It's funny mm -hmm. to think of like, they thought they had once, right. And you think of how much football changes in like yeah. in a moment or whatever. Um, but like, you'd be like, yeah, I'd be pumped about his progression. 
Um, but it's just like you have such a different standard because of how good the team is and what he has to do. Um, so this goes back to like, I actually think it's a really impressive season for him, but this is just what he's missing, right? With Mahomes, it's I'm going to create something with my feet, even though the, the ankle is all messed up or whatever. Um, he always seemed to find Kelsey. Like we're watching the game and obviously it's not an all 22, but we're like, how in how like I know they have Kadarius Tony and stuff, but I was like, how is it that Kelsey's always open like this? <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, um, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's Kelsey running routes and it's Andy Reed scheming, but it's also Mahomes kind of throwing him open and like magic. And that's, I mean, I think that's the thing that hurts is missing is like, and that's just like an impossible standard of there is a certain level of quarterback. Most of them reside in the AFC that just put you away if, if you have that lead. And I think that's, you know, it's hard to say hurts held him back. I know that last throw looked bad. I know he had the fumble, but he's an automatic third and one. I don't know if that's, that rule change that looks like rugby. And I feel like the NFL may, may change that up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he is a willing risk taker. The AJ Brown touchdown did not look open. It looked like triple coverage and it just, I don't know what happened in that corner to be honest, but Brown just made a great play on that ball. Um, and it's not really to take away from Hertz in general. He did a good job this season, but it's just, that is the the missing level. And I think Philadelphia, even though they have a lot of free agents will benefit just from being an NFC team next year. Um, but, you know, it, there's just it's crazy to me that there's like all these guys who either are currently kind of closers in my mind or like on the cusp of being. I'm thinking Trevor Lawrence and maybe Herbert under a different coaching situation or whatever. Um, and the NFC, like Hertz is probably the best quarterback. And you just see like the he's just not quite in that tier that like the Mahomes and the Burroughs and the Allens are. I mean, I look at Mahomes, obviously now he's got two of them. Um, he's kind of put himself back into the goat conversation. He's got a long way to go. Um, it, it's always fun yeah. to argue your goat when, when you're watching a guy in real time, but Tom Brady's got seven of them. Those yeah. And it's going to take a Herculean effort from Mahomes or the rest of his career to come anywhere close to that. So that that's kind of besides the point though. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Mahomes has two of them. He's been to five straight AFC championship games in every year as a starter. Um, three Super Bowls, two victories, two, two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs. You name the list. <clears throat> Mahomes is clearly at the top of the top, the tippy top of, of, of quarterback play in, in mm-hmm. the NFL. What I'm curious, though, is what you just talked about with Jalen Hurts. <clears throat> Moving into next season, he feels like the class of the NFC. Mm-hmm. But there is also the, the worry, like, will he ever get back? And that's how I felt about Joe Burrow last year. Like, yeah, that was Joe Burrow's year. It felt like, man, everything broke right for for Cincinnati in the playoffs last year. 
will he ever get back? And as he proved this year, like, yes, Joe Burrow is going to get back at some point to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow, if you're bet, if I was a betting man, like, will he or won't he win a Super Bowl? I think he will win a Super Bowl. But Jalen Hurts has to prove next year now, like, that he's still that guy. Like, he looked like that guy, you know, over the course of this season for most of the entirety of the Super Bowl itself. But now he's got to come back and do it again because just because Mahomes can get to five straight AFC championship games and three Super Bowls in five years doesn't mean everyone can. So that's what I'm curious how Jalen Hurts is going to kind of take this loss, um, you know, and kind of parlay it and, you know, into something positive. Um, you listen to some of his quotes after the game and dude's a quote machine. Um, he's yeah. about as insightful as it gets. Um, and it doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel rehearsed. Um, kind of just feels like that he's shooting from the hip there and, you know, he's saying, you know, what you see is what you get, and this is what he thinks. Um, but it, it, it's hard to kind of bet against a guy, you know, that has that kind of mentality. But the NFL is such a fickle league. Like, you can't guarantee you're getting back to the Super Bowl. So, you know, that's what I'll be curious to kind of follow, you know, down the road here. I think it's worth mentioning, like, when Brady – and Brady was dominant in the, him with Belichick and the fact that this was not, like, preordained, right? The Browns gave up on Belichick. Yep. Um Brady famously like split time in Michigan was, you know, late pick or whatever, but like they went on challenge for a while in the AFC, right? It, it would have been like the Colts, right? And Peyton Manning. I mean, I'm trying to think of who else kind of, you know, like think, think of like the jets had a run there for a little bit, the Rex yeah. Ryan, Mark Sanchez. Right. Sanchez, so, yeah. so, you know, like that, that whole dynamic has reversed. Right. So this affects Mahomes in the sense that this is not like a clear cut, they're not just going to kind of waltz into the into the AFC Championship, let alone the the Super Bowl. The having said that, they'll be favorites, I think, for a while. Burrow's going to have to deal with that is cheap ownership in Cincinnati, and like at some point, also they're going to hit a cap crunch, and so like he just this is the dynamic of going from affordable quarterback right to he's going to get stupid money and. Yes how did they maintain a receiver core on offensive line, some semblance of defense, right? So I think that's, that's going to be his issue. You know, Allen's going to be an interesting one. In my mind, his stock dropped a little bit, just given like Burrow looked better than him this year. You know, again, you're talking the tippy top of the best. And then, you know, like, I'm curious if like the Jaguars can like, put something together right i don't know like are are the chargers just gonna hold you know herbert back what's going on with lamar jackson right he's representing himself which like the more i look into that like i didn't think about this there are players who don't they're like they tell their agent negotiate the contract this is the money i'm looking at don't tell me anything else because the team essentially is telling you this is why we don't believe in you and this is why we can't give you money that you want and like there's that whole mess of a situation but supposedly that should be a good situation great you know well coached team baltimore always has a good defense lamar jackson a great talent stuff so again all these guys have something that could hold them back but for mahomes this is not he is not brady in the old afc right and with hertz i think it's the same thing like we i think it says something about him again we're we're comparing him to the top tier quarterbacks but i mean it's cousins gonna be a top three quarterback in the nfc like i'm not even joking about that like it's it's such a watered down league or conference i should say that like hurts should have the launching pad but we just don't know roseman's done a good job constructing this roster this to me was an all-in roster like this was win the super bowl kind of roster and there's always some follow-up from that because ultimately someone's gonna go man someone will just pay me a little more or whatever it's not worth you know staying in a defensive rotation when i'm gonna get you know full-time minutes or whatever so 
they're going to have to work through that. Having said that hurts the fact that hurts launched himself into that conversation of is he, and he probably is just the best quarterback in the NFC. This is the problem. It's like the Mahomes thing we talked about last time we talked, how like we have this weird standard for him because he said it for himself hurts mm-hmm. to be fair, kind of put himself in that. Like, could he kind of dominate the NFC? And if I'm any other NFC team, I'm like, how do I get the quarterback? That's just going to launch me into, you know, the, the stratosphere here because there's so much empty space. Um, so I don't know. It's just, it is Mahomes faces a different dynamic that now he's in the tougher conference. And having said that part of me thinks that's not going to phase him. He is, he is obviously not, there is a gap between him and Brady. Right. But the reason why we think he could, he could make it is that Andy Reed who's on the chiefs. The fact that he's number one, he's like, he's a wizard. There's, there's just, there's some magic to what he does. So, um, I don't know, different dynamics for Mahomes, but I still, the only time I will question him was against Cincinnati this year. I'm done after that. We're, I don't know why that was my breaking point, but I'm done after this. Yeah. Yep. Mahomes all the way. It is interesting, though, because like you were saying, a lot of these quarterbacks, Joe Burrow is at the top of that list. He's going to get a mega contract this offseason. Um, Jalen Hurts is in position to do that, too. Like These quarterbacks who have risen to that level are now going to have to overcome something really, really hard to overcome, which is you take up a lot of the salary cap and now you yeah. have to kind of produce more with less, which is what Mahomes did this year. I mean, if, if you were like, Hey, Kansas city, would you rather have Tyree kill or not have Tyree kill? They would pick to have Tyree kill, but they don't get Tyree kill because they have to pay Mahomes this much money, X amount of dollars credit the, you know, the, the chief's front office for, for revamping that offensive line they saw what happened to Patrick Mahomes in that Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they were like, we need to fix this. We can't let our quarterback, our star, our face of the franchise run around for his life at all, you know, at all times of his career, they shored up the offensive line. But when you give a quarterback money, you lose different pieces, different parts of the team. So yeah, Patrick Mahomes lost Tyree kill because he has this mega contract. Joe Burrow is probably going to lose T Higgins because of his contract. Jalen Hurts is going to lose certain parts of that team, whether it be his weapons on the offensive side of the ball or, or his playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. Now, can these quarterbacks overcome? Because it's what these teams have to decide. Like, would you rather have the quarterback and pay the quarterback? And then because of that, have to make cuts and perhaps have some weaknesses throughout the team? Or would you rather have a fully you know, functional, dynamic team a la San Francisco 49ers and then maybe just kind of try and hit on the right quarterback here and there. So it's inter- it's like an interesting crossroads that I think we're at in the NFL right now. People are either going to, you know, do we have the quarterback? Yes. Pay him then. Or do we not have the quarterback? Let's just build an, a really good roster and hope we can get, you know, I don't say this lightly because I'm not making fun of the guy, but Brock Purdy level play yeah. from, you know, like because we can pay this quarterback at a rookie deal that, that is cheap, we can then have all these playmakers everywhere, you know, across the field. Patrick Mahomes has found a way to overcome that. Obviously he's got a ring on his finger to show that a lot of these other people, you know, throughout the league now are going to have to figure out ways to, to kind of overcome taking up a, you know, a large portion of, of the salary cap. So that's another thing that, that I thought was impressive when, when you look at it, um, yeah, our producer Spencer is, is yeah, yeah. Mahomes is the only QB that's responsible for more than 12.5% of the salary cap to win a Super Bowl. So it's like a new method of success. It doesn't happen that often. 
Like, yes, well, you have to have a good quarterback to win, but like we're seeing the quarterback contracts now explode, and, you know, and because of that, the the the, the talent across the the overall team gets watered down. Um, Mahomes has found a way to overcome that. A lot of these other teams are going to have to find a way to, to overcome that now too. Somehow by paying Mahomes, and this is not their intent, obviously, but by paying Mahomes, you do handcuff other teams because not everyone has Burrow Allen. Like, you know, there's right. Herbert probably could do it right under the right circumstances. I think Lawrence, maybe again, we've only seen one good year from him, but like given the pedigree he had coming in and the disruptive urban Meyer situation, like maybe those type of guys. But the problem is like, Lamar Jackson looks at what Deshaun Watson makes, right? And he goes, well, that's me. That's You got to guarantee me that kind of money. And I think Baltimore goes, oh, we got to fill out a defense and you probably want some receivers and offensive line. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a weird – by the way, I don't. I disagree with what the Browns did, certainly from like a, a character standpoint, right? But like um, – but that did happen. And it is a little bit of the Cousins thing, right? It's like It's like they – I get what the Vikings did. It was – we got this far with case Keenum. What if you have cousins who's more reliable, a better quarterback and you have to guarantee it because the jets were going to give him more money. Right. And like, then there's kind of this spillover effect where, where, well, cousins got this right. So like that is actually, I think what's going to end up. I do. I think you could pay burrow in that range, maybe Allen in that range. Some of these top guys in that range would be fine. The problem is other people are going to, other teams are going to pay people in that range and then go, well, I don't know what to do. The quarterback doesn't drive winning enough and the roster isn't good enough. I just haven't found the hack the other way around, right? The hack might've been the Howie Roseman hack, have a great GM, have a great team. You need, you don't need the, one of the best quarterbacks in the league to win. I mean, they got that far. The Eagles did, but they did in a NFC that wasn't very good, even though yeah, their division yeah. was pretty solid. And then like, there wasn't, there's not like a Niners hack. Like part of me was like, well, did the Niners figure this out? Like a, this weird running scheme that Shanahan has and a good defense. And that didn't work. And I guess you could look at injuries and stuff, but I was like, I still didn't see Brock Purdy winning that game, even if he had stayed healthy. So uh, certainly not beating Mahomes, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but I mean, there's no lesson to me other than like draft the right quarterback. (laughs) Like I think everyone's figured that one out. Yeah. It's a good segue to what I want to talk about next real quick though, Tom thoughts on the defensive holding. Um, Mm. I thought it was the, right call the correct yep. call yeah it's just hard for me to watch a game that special and you know that unimpressively yeah i mean i um here's that i mean again sitting in a room full of vikings fans who are pulling for the chiefs like no no one was cool with it you know what i mean no one was like no one was like yeah dude that like Thank God the chiefs and again these aren't like diehard chiefs fans or whatever but yeah. like no one was happy with this Functionally, it was objective observers. I don't think anyone goes home unhappy if Philadelphia wins or whatever. But um, I think it is by the letter of law, like a correct call. Um, Obviously, Mahomes recognized it right away. I think it's when we talk about there's holding on every play, we think about it within the trenches, right? But it is still a holding call. I think it was the only holding call in the Super Bowl. Um, It was not the only time someone was held and held in a way that would have affected the outcome of that play. I mean, we just, we you could look back at the tape. I'm sure you'd find an offensive lineman holding some guy in a clever way. Right. And that, yeah. that he didn't caught, yeah. get caught or whatever. I get how it disrupts the route. Cause I assume it was, I still am not certain on this, but I assume it was on the, the whip motion, right. As he's kind of coming back across the field. Yes. Um, also the defensive player said he held him. I mean, good on him that he could have thrown the refs under the, 
I think of how, especially Philadelphia, like people, the fans would be, oh yeah, the refs, they, you know, it's good on him to go. Yeah. I, I was trying to get away with something there. Also, I don't blame him. It's like, that's kind of part of your job. Yeah. Um, it just, it's more that it was an uncatchable ball that it, it like pretty much guaranteed. Although our guy, Jarek McKinnon nearly, <laughs> nearly went into the end zone there, oh. but you know, it's like, it's, it, it essentially kind of sealed this game again. Like there's these, these jokes about 27 yards and, and stuff like this. And obviously Bucker cost me 40 or $30 on a 42 yard kick. But like, I think, uh, but I think, listen, it was not 27 yards in ice cold condition. You know what I mean? It, whatever. Yeah. Like that, that's, we do have to look at those circumstances with Blair Walsh way, way back when, like it, it functionally it was over. And, and like that just, it is a bummer. Like you kind of want that game to end. No game probably will live up to Buffalo, Kansas city a year ago, but you want it to kind of feel similar to that where it's like, I mean, there was even qualms about how that game ended, but like that, it just kind of was one on a, on a play. It's different. Of course, if like, if Mahomes completes that pass, right. And you go, well, there's holding on it, but they still made the play. I just, I don't know. The the craziest thing to me is that the refs all came together and my, my guess, or I think there was a poor reporter who said something like this, like they told um, the reporter, like, they were just making sure it was right by the letter of the law. I'm surprised someone in there didn't go, Hey, this is the Super Bowl, and that was an uncatchable ball, and we are determining the outcome of the game, kind of. You know what I mean? Literally, and like, determining it, yeah. the outcome of the game, like, it that's so. the frustrating part in my mind. Like, I do, I do think context matters. There was one play, and I know this is a simpler call, but like, um, someone has mentioned, like, if you go off sides, a defensive player goes off sides, the ref has a judgment call and I actually didn't know this although it's probably intuitive that the ref has a judgment call to blow the play dead right if they think the quarterback's just going to get clobbered or let the play run and allow the quarterback to get a free play right which does those are sometimes splash plays it's not often but like that is a judgment call like like by letter of the law the guy was uh, you know lined up outside the neutral zone or whatever at least encroached right and yet you're making a judgment call on the result. And to me, how is that different than a hold on a whip route where the ball's uncatchable? You know what I mean? Like that's, I guess that's the frustration. And again, I think the, I get why this is a tough call. I just, in my mind, they, they got it wrong. Yeah. It's hard because everyone watching the Super Bowl that wasn't just a diehard Chiefs fan was, was, was hoping that Jalen Hurts got the ball back because yes. the game was so good. It was so back and forth you know, we deserved as, as observers to, to, to watch Jalen Hurts get the ball back and at least try to, to go down the field and either tie the game or win it. Um, the roughs with that call ensured we did not get that. Um, so that, I think that's the hardest part to kind of stomach when, when, when looking back on the game as a whole. I will say, like, unless you're a diehard Eagles fan, I, I'm not sure you'll remember that holding call in five years. I think you'll just yeah. remember Mahomes. That was the year he got his second. That was the year he had a high ankle sprain and played th- three games in the playoffs with it and won the Super Bowl. So unfortunate in the moment, not sure how long it, it, it'll, it'll be at the forefront of, you know, the masses, um, the minds of the masses. But It's, I mean, it's such, it's the difference and I don't know how many quarterbacks I like this Mahomes. It's don't give him the ball because he'll hurt you. Right. You just have to take him out of, take it out of his hands. I think Burroughs entering that conversation. I'm trying to think how many other quarterbacks are Brady. Obviously was that it is funny to think like hurts hurts was, we want to see it, but it's because of the variable, right? Because he could do it. 
give him that, but we're not certain of it. And it's like that that's why we remember Mahomes, right? Like, because it's, it's this weird certainty, or at least he will create uncertainty in your mind that again, I was ready to go home if the Eagles like scored and kind of stopped the Kansas city on a drive. Right. And yet in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm not certain that's going to happen because Mahomes is participating in this football game. And I don't know. That's why, that's why you're right. Like I know in the moment we're going to, no, no, we'll remember this weird whole, it'll be lost to history again, unless you're an Eagles fan. I will remember from this game, Mahomes always creates doubt in your mind about whether the other team can win and certainty that if he has the ball at the end of the game, he'll win it. And that's, I mean, that's incredible. That's a, that's actually a really, really good point. Like, we weren't talking like, oh, man, the Eagles would have won the game if, if Jalen Hurts gets the ball back. But if this was like a Tom Brady, like if if, if that defensive holding call, oh, yeah. I'm sure that Tom Brady did not get the ball back. Patriots or Bucks fans would be like, we would have won the Super Bowl. Yes. Same with Chiefs fans. Like, oh, that defensive holding call made sure that Mahomes didn't get the ball back. We would have won the Super Bowl. Like, I don't think you hear a lot of Eagles fans saying that. You just hear you hear him saying, like to your point, like we didn't have a chance because the refs took it away. Um, but different quarterbacks and still different fears, you know, in, in the hearts of defenses and fan bases. Um, Mahomes is obviously at the top of that list. That's a good segue to where I wanted to get to with this, um, and we won't stay on this too long. Um, there's no reason to harp on Cut Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. right now on what is it, February 14th on Valentine's Day. Yes. Watching that game, though, Tom, and I've come around on Kirk Cousins this year. I was mm-hmm. maybe one of his biggest critics um, in town, you know, entering this year, and he's kind of turned me. Um, I think in the NFL where competent quarterback play is no longer guaranteed, Kirk Cousins is like the threshold of like competent yep. quarterback play, above average quarterback play. Every year, Kirk Cousins is the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. You're going to be relevant. Mm -hmm. In that same vein, watching the Super Bowl, watching Patrick Mahomes go at it with Jalen Hurts, watching Patrick Mahomes go at it with Joe Burrow in the AFC Championship game. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Watching those games and watching this playoff run, if every year of Kirk Cousins as the Vikings quarterbacks is, is relevancy. I think it is simultaneously a guarantee that you cannot win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's a weird contrast to kind of live in right now, or a weird, there's some duality to it where like, yeah, you want to put together a, a good product and, you know, obviously to sell tickets, but sometimes you get in and it, it's enough. Um, the NFL isn't quite like the NHL and like just get in the playoffs and anyone has a chance. Um, 
So I, I get if you're the Vikings front office and you want to continue a winning culture, but I do think, and I've thought this all along and, and he's, like I said, he turned me a little bit this year. He was very impressive this year. He showed leaps and bounds under Kevin O'Connell. And I think he'll show even more next year. But watching the, the Super Bowl on, on Sunday night, I think every year you commit to Kirk Cousins is a year to committing to not winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, we went through, you know, obviously we kind of like figuring out what our writers are going to write this week. And, you know, obviously one of them was like, the Vikings are so far away. And I'm like, they are, but I'm like, I don't know how surprising that is. Um, to me, I was actually like, and again, I had a long drive home. I, was, I didn't feel like writing after the game, but I was like, if Philadelphia had won, I might have gone with the angle of like, this gives a slimmer of hope to, to, um, the Vikings, because again, yeah. it's not the quarterback driving winning, but again, like Hertz is such a more dynamic player um, than Cousins. And you're right. It's like part, part, if it, take Justin Jefferson out, I'd be like, I'd be more willing to have the, you can move on from Kirk, take a, take, you know, take a gamble on a handful of guys. I do want yeah. some certainty with Justin Jefferson. Um, having said that, like Cousins. It's just so weird because he took this step, I think, at age 33, and I think is entering his age 34 season. Like that, he is. I know quarterbacks; it's like a different thing because they're they're more protected and whatever. There's guys who can be really effective into their 30s, but he is like out of his athletic prime, right? You know, just think about like for the human condition, right? It tends to be 26 to 32. Um, I it's weird that he took this step, but it's more mental, right? It's, it's, he was willing to take a few more chances, 50, 50 balls to Justin Jefferson. And then you talk about the situation, situational mastery. That is cousins to some extent. I think that's his perfectionism that he like, he wants to make the right throw. He's very self-critical. Um, you know, he does study, he's meticulous in how he studies for games, but I think that's more on the coaching staff. I think O'Connell really emphasized that West Phillips really emphasized that. And it paid off because supposedly all 11 players knew um what to do in those situations the problem is it's like cousins has a track record of a year of doing that i take the giants thing out and we disseminated this before but again it's like should he have taken a gamble on that throw absolutely it sucks that that's the last memory is a check down to tj hawkinson because i don't think that represents his whole season last year but it's again like cousins is like a step below the hurts right it's like Hertz is he could do it. Cousins, it's like, man, this would be crazy if he does, you know? And I, it, that feels like cold hearted when they won like 11 one score games and he, he was great in certain, certain situations, but I just, that's what I would have thought in that moment, right? It would have been like, maybe cousins could do it. Mm-hmm. It's not Hertz kind of puts doubt in your mind. If you the other team, if there's no certainty that he would and Mahomes is in the certain category. And so I'm with you. And, you know, one of our, our guys pointed out, he's like, you just need a more athletic quarterback now. Like there, there probably will be a more statuesque guy who succeeds and everyone goes, Oh, the trends moving backwards. I think that person's always going to be an outlier. Um, I don't, I don't believe in the quarterback who looks at one read and just takes off. Um, I also, there's so many design runs and again, it worked, but I'm like, can Hertz continue to do this? Take the, take the QB sneak out. I actually think that's a perfectly fine play, but the design run, I'm like, your guy can get clobbered like legally like that. He is like a running back at that point. And um, so I'm not going so far as to say like, yeah, you're fine. If you have a guy who looks at one read and takes off, but these, these dynamic quarterbacks who can pick you apart in the, in the pocket as Mahomes does and then take off with his feet. And essentially he is his own check down. Right. Um, 
I just think you need someone like that. Now I'm with you. Like you do, you do need that moxie. I think back to like Justin Jefferson, and this is a moment where he's probably being a little too honest when he was asked between Burrow and Cousins, and yeah. he goes, "Well, Burrow just has more swagger." And you're like, "That is the most obvious statement anyone could say." There, he is correct, right? But like, you know, he's almost not allowed to say it because that is unfortunately one of Cousins' biggest faults is that like. He just doesn't have kind of that, like, he is so risk averse. Like, I think he is just as a person, right? Where yes. Burrow shows up wearing a fur coat, you know, smoking a cigar after a win and is willing to just throw up a YOLO ball, right? Towards towards Chase or Higgins or whoever it is. And like, um, yeah, I think, but between the athleticism and that mentality, right? That I think Hurts made like objectively a bad throw on the touchdown to Brown. Like, I think it wouldn't have taken much for that to be incomplete or maybe even picked. But I think sometimes you just have to do that because you have to trust your receiver. And Brown made the adjustment on the ball and I think faked out the corner a little bit, right? And scored. And like, I just don't ever see Cousins doing that. He's too like, he's too meticulous, right? He 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 almost like overplanned and overthought the the routes and stuff. And I'm not saying that's always a negative, but it is a negative in the just do it, man moment. And sometimes you just have moments like that. You have to make something happen. Yeah, the hardest part about the Kirk Cousins discourse or like should the Vikings move on from Kirk Cousins discourse is kind of you know you you touched on it like you have Justin Jefferson can't piss him off you 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 don't want to be like we're going to be bad um, because we need to be bad for a couple of years to be good and Kirk Cousins like I said he keeps you relevant he keeps you competitive if the Vikings were to move on from Kirk Cousins, they would get worse. They would get worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's the hardest part. It's like he, you're taking a guy who is objectively like <clears throat> a good quarterback in the NFL, and and you're saying like this we can't win with him. And and while that might be true, it's it's a hard pill to swallow that like, okay, we're close ish here in air quotes mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl, but we can't get it done. To like we're moving on, and there's no guarantee you find the right guy. Like, yeah, we see, we see teams all the time. Like, look for the quarterback, never find. Um, there, there's one Patrick Mahomes out there. If there were more, that you know, people would would go get the guy. Um, they trade whatever it takes to go get him. Yeah, there's no guarantee that the Vikings move on from Kirk Cousins that they get someone better than him. Um, but it's just hard to kind of idle here and and watch the quarterback play around you. And, and, and not want these guys to take a chance on someone else. Um, I, it, it, it's, that, that's going to be always the hardest thing. It's like committing to someone else is, is committing to getting worse this year. Yeah. I mean, I think the lesson here is you can, again, think of the second round pick with, yeah. with Wentz there. They had just given Wentz a contract. And until Wentz got hurt, I mean, he looked really special, right? For a while. Um, don't be afraid to do that. And it's going to be really hard when they have like five picks and they're probably going to have to trade down to get the amount of players they want. Um, also, you have to fill out a defense. And also, like, there's just this high variance with a quarterback. But people will criticize the Mond pick. To me, like, it's not it's not Kellen Mond. It's the fact that you used a third rounder on on a quarterback and yes. took that chance. And I do think some co- – it's a nature-nurture thing. We know there's – quarterbacks who are naturally good enough right had raw skill to be a star player and got blown up because the offensive line sucked or didn't have anyone to throw to or just never had a chance because the defense was so bad or the culture was so bad from years of losing and like the Flores lawsuit kind of um shines a light I, again I don't know if 
We don't know if he was paid to lose, right? And we don't know if other teams do that. But like, there is a different incentive structure. The coach and the players always want to win. It's short careers. The coach doesn't last in the city very long, usually. Yep. The ownership has and GM have different. The ownership is going to usually outlast the GM and the GM usually outlasts everyone else. So like, they're going to have a different incentive structure and that creates tension and bad culture within an organization. I'm fine with the the Vikings trying to have this kind of the good culture and that players want to play there and stable ownership, all this stuff. Um, having said that, like, so then your other option is you're going to have to take multiple stabs. And to be fair, it's like, once you get the guy and I'm not saying a ready in year one, ready in year two guy, I'm saying you can kind of project out and be like, I actually think this guy could take over if you give him a little time. Cousins is probably the right person to learn under. I, again, I don't know if Cousins, I know he didn't like push Mond away, but he's, and he, and he, you know, he tweeted like, hey, glad to have you in camp or whatever. But like, yeah. I don't know if he'd take him under his wing and be like, this is how I study, but he could still learn. There's other people in that building who go, Cousins literally sits at a cubicle with a whiteboard and goes through all this stuff. He's on his iPad, self critical, right? He doesn't sleep at night when he has a bad game or whatever. And it's like, you can, you can take elements of that, right? and become great because of the natural talent and you don't have this first round savior pressure. It's more like a, hopefully you pan out in year three or whatever. The problem is you have to get that talent and think of like the Vikings should not do with the, what the Packers did with Jordan love, but like Jordan love might work out in part because he had all this time. Right. And it's probably a disruptive in some ways. Cause it's Aaron Rodgers who is just disruptive as a human man, but also he, he went from like, yikes to like, two-time MVP to yikes again. But like, you know, I think, I think like you could go the Jordan Love route, not necessarily using the first round pick on him, but like Jordan Love may, again, a Hall of Famer, I don't know. Will he be quarterback for 10 years in the league? I don't know. But like he may become a starter because he had all this time. Guy out of Utah State, right? Had all this time to, to, and like you hope that without using the first round capital, I guess, you know, you use a second or third rounder and some guy kind of pans out and you just have to take that stab and someone's going to go look at this defensive player who was taken right after. Yeah. And you could have had that guy in your linebacking core. And that's just the risk you take to do this. Yeah. So to be clear, I don't think the Vikings are going to move on from Kirk Cousins. This no. um, in fact, I think they're going to extend him. And yeah. I think he's going to be the quarterback for the next two years. I don't think the Vikings are going to draft a quarterback this year. I think Kirk Cousins is the quarterback next year, probably the year after that. And if you are a Vikings fan hoping for a quarterback to be drafted in the first, second, or third round, I think you're going to have to wait until the 2024 draft. Um, yeah. I think the Vikings have too many holes to fill elsewhere. Um, and we will talk about all of that, you know, during our off season podcasts, um, you know, if you've been following along, we're going to go, for, we've, we've dropped from three episodes a week to two episodes a week, but we're going to talk about all the deficiencies and the holes and, you know, the job that Quasi Adolfo Mensa has in front of him. Um, not an easy one. So however you feel about Kirk Cousins, he's going to be the quarterback of the Vikings next year. They almost have to extend him to be able to afford to fill a lot of the holes on their roster that exists currently. Um, but I do think down the road, like, there is a chance the Vikings, like you said, Tom, take a swing yeah. at someone like in the second, a second round quarterback, maybe even a first round quarterback, depending how next season goes. Um, but that's not imminent. Kirk Cousins is going to be the quarterback of the team next year. Um, he's going to have a new defensive coordinator, you know, opposite him on the other side of the ball. Yeah. We'll get more into that later this week. Um, Brian Flores gets introduced on Wednesday. We've talked about him probably at length um, over yeah. the last couple of weeks, few weeks. 
Um, he obviously got the official job offer last week, accepted it, um, and now he's the guy. He's the guy moving forward. He's the defensive coordinator. Really curious um, what he's going to say tomorrow. I think that press conference, um, yeah, you know, wherever you can tune in, it's worth tuning into um, because there's going to be a lot of questions about like what he plans to do, how he plans to maximize guys. You know, the, watching that defense that played for the Vikings last season. Um, yeah, there's a lot of questions on how do you fix it. Um, so I think Brian Flores is going to have. a lot of questions to answer tomorrow and presumably he has the right answers um, or at least the answers that stand out um, because he kind of rose to the top in this interview process, but really curious what he has to say. Um, We'll break what he does have to say down later in the week, but um, I know you're going to be there tomorrow. I I think it's going to be, you know, a fun one to attend, which is not what I can always say about um, these, these mid early off season press conferences. Yeah. I mean, I think a, he's a guy who speaks his mind. B has been pretty enabled, right? I mean, like he's, yep. he, he was in a head. First question he's going to have to answer. That's interesting is he had a second li- interview lined up in Arizona. Why didn't he take it I, again? I don't think he's going to say anything explicit here, but like, I do think there's going to be kind of that wink and nod of like, yeah, I just really like the Vikings organization. Yeah. You know, it starts at the top with, with yeah. uh, the ownership and Quasi, and I'm just like, really like O'Connell as a dude. And, you know, like, yeah. and I think that'll be a bit of a hint that like yeah, Arizona seems like not super well run. <laughs> um, I think there's going to be some questions about the veterans. I'm curious if he says anything or like kind of talks about Patrick Peterson, who's kind of in that, like, well, he won't, he come back. Um, I think, and even like Kendricks and stuff. I think it'll be interesting if he says anything about like Kendricks, mm-hmm. uh, um, Harrison Smith, right? I think Harrison Smith's pretty safe, but like um, I expect him to say nice things about the young players, but like kind of this, I'm curious about his relationship with Quasi, right? We know with O'Connell, I always describe like when I saw them together for the first time, I'm like, oh, this seems like like two neighbors who love football, who like someone yeah. put in charge of a team, right? Like, yeah what is his dynamic with them? Because again, we know they were down in mobile. At least he was with Quasi talking and stuff. And like, I think, again, I, I think Quasi is pretty likable guy. So like, I'm, my guess is he'll, but I'm curious, like kind of what that connection is, you know? And I, I guess I'm curious about the head coach dynamic. Like that's, that's a hard, like I'm trying to think of how you'd formulate that question, but just like what advantage he has or what, what his relationship is going to be like with O'Connell, given that they're both head coach and how his head coaching experience will help him here. So um, I think the, uh, um, I think there are some questions that should be answered. Some of these are more nuanced, the the head coach stuff. Some of it's kind of more straightforward. How, how do you think you're going to have enough talent and how, what do you, what does he say when like, someone's like, what, what did you see kind of on the field? Right. He's not going to knock down a towel. I wouldn't be smart. He also has got to be careful because some of those same players who he might be, totally thrilled with we'll be back on the team so there are some stuff that he's going to have to answer and again you're going to have to read between the lines or whatever on some of this yeah. stuff but i also i get the impression if, if you're a guy selling suing the nfl like my guess is he doesn't have a lot of like barriers right outside of the obvious <laughs> stuff so he may just he may just you know tell you stuff other coaches wouldn't tell you yeah all of that um you know we'll get into probably thursday friday tom's Maybe Wednesday. Tom, Tom's tra- Tom's all over the place. Tom be traveling yeah. training, so we're gonna work around Tom. But we're, we'll definitely break down um, what Brian Flores has to say later this week. Um, like Tom said, um, like I just said earlier, looking forward to that press conference. Um, but that's all we got on this episode Tuesday morning. Producer Spencer, he's a wizard. He'll have this up within the hour, um, and then we'll be back later this week to kind of break down what will be our first official like off season episode um 
you know, like we've talked a lot about the playoffs. We've talked about the Super Bowl. Now we can kind of dive deep into the offseason as a whole. Um, and there's certainly a lot to talk about. So more on that when we get back later this week. In the meantime, for Tom Schreier, I'm Dan Musitani. Thanks for stopping by. Make sure you're giving us a follow inside Purple and Gold, anywhere you get podcasts. Um, have a good rest of the week. Talk to you next time. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.